Hey guys, Travis Greenlee here with Epic Men Radio, rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. So imagine what it would be like to earn a million dollars in a single day. How would it change your life for you and for those that you love? Is it even possible? Oh hell yes it is. And in today's guest expert, Michael Fortin, will share exactly how he did it and how you can too. We'll talk about this and a whole lot more in today's episode of Epic Man Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. You're listening to Epic Men Radio. Hey guys, welcome to Epic Men Radio. Now in today's episode, we've got guest expert, industry-leading copywriter, Michael Fortin. Let me tell you a little bit about Michael. He is the CEO of Workaholics for Hire, an outsourced customer service and help desk management firm. As a copywriter and consultant for close to 30 years now, he was instrumental in selling over $100 million of products and services for a wide variety of clients. His most notable success is a sales letter that sold over $100 million online on launch day in a single day. Today, Michael is a best-selling author, in-demand public speaker, and highly sought-after marketing consultant. He's also an experienced rock drummer and a record-breaking competitive power lifter. Michael, it's an absolute honor and a pleasure to have you with us, brother. Thanks, Travis. I really appreciate you having me on. Right on, man. So, so let's jump into it, man. You've been doing this a long time. I'm so fascinated about your copywriting experience and your internet marketing experience. You know, it's funny, you know, I, I've seen you around for years. I know we've traveled in very similar circles for the last 10, 15 years, and you are clearly one of the pioneers in the industry. And I think back of some of the notables and some of the guys that you work with. And like you say, the first guy to write copy for a million dollar product launch. Pretty cool stuff, brother. Yep. Thank you. And, and that was sort of the, the, the time that I've gotten really became really famous, I guess, on the internet, because a lot of people call me the Roger Bannister of online copy. That record has been beaten so many times ever since by uh, many other copywriters who I believe are so much better than I am. And uh, I do believe that uh, uh, it's probably been broken hundreds of times, if not more. But People call me the Roger Bannister of online copy because I was the first one, right? So back in 2004, which is already 12 years, you know, it's, it's, it's going by so fast. Right. Oh, man. I know, right? You, you blink and all of a sudden 10 years goes by. It's the older we get, the faster it goes. Oh, it? yeah. <laughs> so you were the first one, though. So you were the trendsetter. You came in and nobody had done that prior to you in this whole mm-hmm. internet marketing space. Tell us a little bit, if you would, a little backstory on, you know, what led up to that? You know, how did you, how did you get into that position to be able to, to create that and to be able to get that message out there and to be able to, to earn a million dollars in a single day on a product launch? How did that happen? Well, let me just back up a little bit. I've, when I first started as a copywriter, my first few clients were in the uh, medical uh, or cosmetic surgery fields. So hair transplants. Uh, facelifts, tummy tucks, liposuction, etc. And I, I was helping basically these doctors who knew nothing about marketing. They're, they're great doctors. They're great artists at what they do, but they understand very little about the whole marketing, especially copywriting sphere. Mm. I was producing infomercials for doctors, hair transplant infomercials, for example, 30-minute infomercials ago that still run to this day, by the way. Mm. Um, but what happened was as I was starting to branch out, 
I wanted to go into other fields and I was really popular in my niche. I was really popular in the cosmetic surgery and cos cosmetic dentistry fields, but I wanted to expand out. So I started this thing called a website. <laughs> right. Whoa, back in the day. Yeah. yeah. 1995. Yeah. Oh man. And, and so in 1995 I had my website and I gotten some clients from that. And some of those clients led me to other clients that made, led me to eventually to uh, John, John Reese, who actually is the gentleman who put together Traffic Secrets, the product that made a million dollars in one day. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it made a million dollars, I think, in 18 hours. Um, but we called it a million dollar day, right? Mm -hmm. And basically what happened was, and, and this is a kind of an interesting story because a lot of people look at that sales letter, which is, it was 75 pages long. Oh my. It was a very long sales letter and I didn't do the bullets. The bullets were done by another copywriter who actually had the chance to go through all of John's uh, DVDs and pull out bullet points. But the whole crux of the letter, the storyline, the close, the, the value buildup, the benefits, all that was me. But I had to redo that almost three days before launch day. When I wrote the first sales letter a month before, John said, okay, you can do better than that. I really don't like this. I don't like that you might want to redo it. And literally for three days prior to launch day, which is actually August 16th, 2004, I remember that day, oh, yeah. I, I did not sleep for three days. I literally wrote copy for three days straight. And on launch day, it proved to be a success because of the million dollars. So uh, amazing as how that is. And, and, and here's another just final point. I was, I rarely went to seminars. I, I wasn't, I'm not a big social guy. I love meeting people, but I hate too crowded sure. areas. So I wasn't really going to seminars at that time. So a lot of people who talked about me at seminars said, oh, that's the, that's the copywriter who never comes to seminars. Mm -hmm. And then one day I went to a seminar after John Reese's launch and uh, people were just lined up to ask me for my business card, for business, for pictures. I was like a rock star. I'd be like, whoa, whoa, I can't believe this. I don't know how to handle all this. <laughs> I know. I, you know for, for an introvert that loves to sit behind the computer and be creative, you know, being yeah. in that space is like, I would imagine a little overwhelming. Yeah, it was, it was. But it, was, it, it became the beginning of my, my career that, that later uh, transformed into an internet marketing consulting firm. So, uh, which is what it is today. Awesome. God, what a story, bro. And to earn a million dollars, again, it hadn't been done before. A million dollars yeah. in 18 hours. That's insane. Yeah. Absolutely yeah. insane. And, and what it did for, for John, you know, for your client and what it did for you. And then also, I think even bigger than that is what it did for the industry in terms yeah. of what's possible. Because those yeah. are the early days, 2004. That was like you know that was a that was a million years ago in terms of how quickly things move on internet marketing today. So trendsetter, bro. I mean, yeah. really cool stuff. So awesome. So you've clearly had a great career. You know, you are the celebrity copywriter out there. You're the one that really set the bar for so many others to to come after you. How about the other side? You know, maybe some of the dark side. And again, the reason why I say that is we've got a lot of guys in the tribe here that are that have been around, you know, they've had successes, they've had failures, they've made money, they've lost money, the twists and turns, the ups and the downs. And I think there's a lot of guys now that are really at that stage of life where they're saying, you know, I want to reinvent myself. They're, they're looking for something. They're looking for an idea, something to really sink their teeth into and get passion around. And with that in mind, there's a lot of challenges, as you know, going on right now. There's a lot of darkness and a lot of overwhelm for a lot of these guys. And I know you had some of that. You know, you've had some challenges as well. Let's go there. You know, let's talk a little bit about maybe some of the dark side to your life and to your career as well. I think the best tip I can give is whenever there is darkness, that 
we tend to let that darkness rule so much that whatever is in the darkness can be the seed of an, you know, Napoleon Hill said that there in every, in every, uh, um, uh, adversity there's a seed for a greater opportunity or equal or greater opportunity and i think that when it's dark it's hard to see right, right. Uh, all you need is that little match or to to light up and uh, let me give you my story so that you'll understand what i mean yep, yep. Uh, you know I, I i was born with and we talk about the fear of being in social places uh, i was born with uh, a uh, physical disability and b uh with asperger's a uh, mild form of Asperger's, but Asperger's syndrome is a mild form of autism. Mm -hmm. And I was abused by an alcoholic father who was who became mentally ill because of his alcoholism called Korsakoff's disease. So I grew up with a tremendous fear of rejection, and I wanted to fight that fear. I really wanted to beat that. So what I did is I went into sales. What better way to get rejected all the time <laughs> than the world of sales, right? Yeah. And I was a miserable failure. I remember I had a hard time. I, I mean, I locked myself in the room. Uh, because I, I was so scared of knocking on doors and getting doors slammed in my face. And for six months, I was li living off of credit cards. I had to declare bankruptcy. I was only 21. I was a brand new father, uh, husband. I, I had a young family to take care of. So I decided to do something that was, like I said, that, that seed of opportunity, opportunity was sales letters so that I can actually mail it to people who will call me and book an appointment with me. All it was, it was a sales letter to open the door. So rather than knocking on doors and getting rejected, I would send them out sales letter and out of that, maybe one or 2% of the people will call me back and send an appointment with me. Mm -hmm. And I became a bankrupt salesperson and I was in insurance business, bankrupt insurance salesperson to the leading producer for Canada, this fortune 500 company for eight months in a row. <laughs> I won sales awards and contests, uh, a million dollar round table, which is very common in, in the insurance industry when you sell over a million dollars. So that was the beginning or that seed that was out of that darkness that became my career in copywriting. So I realized, well, there's, there's something to this copywriting thing, right? Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, right. And, then, and I chose to go into copywriting and that was completely flipped because I said, sales is not my thing. Commission only is not my thing. Copywriting is. Mm -hmm. And I would have not known that if I had gone through that adversity. Mm -hmm. So when there is darkness, always look at that darkness might be blinding you from something that might be even greater. Right. Sometimes we get, we, we don't see the forest for the trees because we're so immersed and you know, Travis, you've been there. Whenever we have these dark days, we have a hard time trying to see the, the, the bright side of things. Don't try to look at the bright side. There's always a brightness in the darkness, mm -hmm. not the bright side. Don't say, Oh, it's going to be fine. No, that's set about by being positive. Mm -hmm. it's looking for the opportunity that's somewhere hidden in that darkness. And it's there. And with yet, yeah, when you were in that dark, dark state, what was the defining moment? You know, did it feel like you, you hit rock bottom and said, okay, enough. I have to change my life. I have to turn things around. Was it a conversation with somebody that helped to pull you out of it? Was it that you were, you were so broke, you just, you couldn't eat? I mean, what typically, you know, we hit that rock bottom stage that is the fuel mm -hmm. to give you that spark. Again, that spark that you talk about, which is great, a great way to, to think about it and look at it. What was it for you that was that, that defining moment that gave you that little spark that gave you just a little sense of motivation, a little momentum to move you forward and to, to be able to find your passion with copywriting? Well, at that time, whenever I was going through the financial difficulties and I declared bankruptcy, I remember, I remember like it was yesterday when they came and repossessed the car and I literally the same day I got an eviction notice. Uh, so 
and having a young family and living off of, believe it or not, ramen noodle packages, those 25 cent. Oh, yeah. ramen noodle packages. oh I remember those oh. too well, unfortunately. <laughs> right? And, and I, I, I ate that for months and weeks uh, nonstop. And knowing that I'm actually feeding my family like this, it was really my family looking at how, because see, one of the things that I decided to do when I was young was to get married. And my wife at the time had a daughter who's, who's today is my 30 year old daughter. She's uh, my, my baby, my, uh, my first child. And uh, in fact, after I got divorced, she, she stayed with me. That's the, and I'm, I was just a stepfather. So that shows you this, the bond that we have. Mm. But that was the re that was the thing that kept me going. I looked at her, I said, I got to feed you something better. So I decided to try different things and I tried different. I mean, I didn't, the, the sales letter thing was maybe one idea, but I tried so many others. Mm. And then that, the sales letters is what did it for me. When I got the first phone call and people calling me to book me in a, to book an appointment, at that time I called it a needs analysis or needs assessment. Mm -hmm. and I got booked more and more and more and I, okay, there's, there's something to this thing. Mm. So I left the insurance industry because I realized I don't, I don't like sales. I don't like rejection. And I hate it also, uh, uh, having to be because I was employed at that time I was on commission but I was employed I really wanted to be in my own business and that pretty much was the the, the seed that took off and became the my career I love it. so out of necessity really yeah. and, and not just about you but it was the family like you know being able to serve and to support your family yes just the pain I would imagine and the fear and just the overwhelm of feeling like you couldn't do that that was my why yeah. it was my why yep a lot of and people don't, don't think about your what or your how. Think about your why. Your why will dictate your what and your how. Exactly. Exactly. I love that. And, and also, I think a lot, a lot of times guys get confused of, you know, you've got to find your passion. You know, go out and really spend all this time to find your passion and to find your purpose. But that can sort of be a trap sometimes too, right? As opposed to like what you did is you're like, look, I got to figure out something to survive and to feed my family. Yeah. And then you tried several different things. One led to the other. And all of a sudden, bam, the sales letter clicked, moved into the sales industry. And, you know, the rest is history. Now you're like celebrity. You're like the biggest pioneer in the industry. You mentioned something that's really important. One of the best articles I've read about following your passion or, or following your bliss or finding your passion um, that is from a guy by the name of Mark Manson. Mark Manson, I believe, .com or .net is his website. He's a blogger. And oh my gosh, this guy is language warning. He does use some strong language, but it makes so much sense. And he says, you know what? Following your passion is bullshit. You have to allow that passion to find you. And sometimes we are so much in our own way right. that we, we, don't, we don't find it. And, and the point of the whole article is get out of your own damn way. Right. It's one of the best advice I've ever heard because we often do that. We are always self-critical. We always try to find our passion. Don't find your passion. Maybe there's something that you love to do, but there's a way to monetize that in some way. That is the, what you have to look at. And I kind of coined the term fertilize your passion. Mm -hmm. Don't find your passion. Fertilize your passion. Mm -hmm. Because if, you, if there's something that either you love to do, you can find a way to monetize that. Or if there's something that you're making money with, you can find something that is helpful or fun to do in that process that will actually become your passion. Mm. Um, at that time, copywriting wasn't really my passion. My passion was to become a good father. Right. Um, to become the person that my father failed at. And I didn't want to become a failure. So my passion was to, to provide for my family. And so, and, it, and that stuck with me all the way down to my, my second wife who passed away recently of cancer. Uh, I, I, I wanted to take care of her. In fact, that's what led me into powerlifting and all that stuff um, because 
I was overweight, I was pre-diabetic, and here I was taking care of my dying mom and then soon my dying wife, and I thought, okay, I got to do something about my weight, my, my lifestyle, because I remember my mother one time, she, we set up a hospice at her home. I, I hope you don't mind me going to that area. Oh, please. And, and we set up a hospice, and she was getting weaker and weaker, and one day she tried to go to the bathroom by herself, and she fell out of bed. Mm. And at that time, I was walking with a cane because I had two herniated discs. And I tried to pick her up to put her back in bed, and, I, and my back went out. Mm. And, I, and then I, I said to myself, I got to do something. And I knew that uh, at that time that it was also going to happen with my wife. She had breast cancer for 10 years, and, I, and, and she passed away just last year. But I wanted to do something to, my, to myself so I could be strong for her. Again, that was my passion, to provide. And so I uh, went into powerlifting, you know, lost 100 pounds. I can deadlift almost 500 pounds now. I'm a rec record holder for uh, the national uh, uh, the CPF, the Canadian Powerlifting Federation. So that's just that seed, right? And it's right. all about that, that darkness that you find your passion that you will expand and grow and evolve. Ah, the defining moment. I mean, wow, I just can't imagine how powerful that was to, to be able to be there to support your mom and to be able to support Sylvie, you know, the, yes. your, your widow. And then also, you know, not you being in a, a physical shape to be able to do it. I mean, the pain associated with that mm -hmm. and just the humility, right? I mean, it's a place of just utter humility. And then to turn that around, talk about the why. I mean, that's about as strong as why as you could even imagine. And mm -hmm. you know what you're doing now, but you're kicking ass. I mean, I, I follow you <laughs> on Facebook and I watch all your, you know, all these different lifting maps that you got on and you're, you're there in your cool, you know, red Converse shoes. So you're like the nice. Yeah. You're yeah, like, you're the around. yeah, you're so, and, and I would imagine even before this then you never could have even imagined or you saw yourself in nope. this position to being a power lifter and to doing all yep. this crazy stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. I never and to me, I'm looking at myself now and I, I think to myself, if I look back at five years ago, if I were to look at me now, I would be like, wow, this is not me. This is the, the totally unexpected. Right. And so now you got momentum, right? Yes. This has been the catalyst to take you to where you are. Where do you see yourself going now? I mean, with everything that you've got in this momentum that you have now in this trajectory and this path that you're on, where are you headed, man? Well, now that the dust has settled after Sylvie's passed, and I've taken over her company called Workaholics for Hire, which is a company that provides uh, customer support for online businesses. We staff websites is basically the simplest way I can say that, mm -hmm. uh, from doing customer support and even technical support all the way to providing web design, which is some of, some of the stuff that I do, but also copywriting especially. Mm. And... That is where I'm focusing more of my efforts and my energies on to grow that, but also to grow at a certain level so that I can stay, start taking more time for me mm -hmm. and, and my family and my, you know, I, I'm 48 and would be 49 very soon. So I, those things are very important to me. I'm at a stage in my life where I got to start thinking about also my family, but also my, my own self, you know, mm -hmm. and I think that growing the company and taking it to a level where it runs a little bit more by itself and grows by itself without me being so involved is my next goal, my next step. And I do that a lot by, I journal a lot. Journaling is one of the most, one of the best tools I've ever discovered. I've, I've been journaling whenever I was going through a lot of these problems, even with my first wife, my first bankruptcy, when I was, when I became a copywriter, mm -hmm. I was journaling like crazy. And I still do to this day. In fact, I have it right beside me here. This is my journal. Awesome. And, and, and how does this help you? How does journaling help you personally? I think it's, it's a question of, 
first of all, I'm insanely creative and I have flashes of ideas that go on my brain all the time. And to, if I were to try to remember what I thought about just an hour ago, it's, I'm not saying that I have a memory problem, <laughs> just ideas that I want to put. So, so journaling helps me to put these ideas down. But I think the most important thing is it's to associate thoughts to feelings and feelings to thoughts, right? It's, it's about also looking back at where I was because when I, when I grew my business, when I grew in my life personally, when I, my, personal, my own personal development, my own personal growth, you look at yourself and you say, like, you're, you just asked me, you know, would have I imagined that five years ago? And I can say that, yeah, maybe not. But then when I look at my journal and things that I wrote about five years ago and I, oh my goodness how far I've grown. You don't know how far you've grown until you know where you've come from. Mm. And I think that it's, it's important in every area of life. You know, powerlifting taught me one thing. In powerlifting, which is a sport of lifting heavy weight, there's only one goal, which is to lift heavier weight. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we call them PRs. Sometimes we call them PBs, which means personal records or personal bests. Mm-hmm. And my PR is I have, you know, I lift about 1,100 pounds with the squat, deadlift, and bench press. And I, my goal is to do 100, uh, 1,105 and then 1,110, all that stuff. So that is to consistently better yourself in whatever field. It's, it's a Kaizen philosophy. And it's something that journaling has allowed me to do because how do I know what PR to beat when I, haven't, I don't record it down? Right. So reco- to me, recording it, journaling it, write down everything. If you're doing a training program, write down what's your best, you know, how many reps at how many weights. But it's also something that you can do in business. Business, the number one key in business, and this is going to be applicable to all areas of life, but the number one key in business is to track measurable results, right? right yep. And how do, you know, how, how do you know where to go when you don't even know where you are? And when you, when, wherever you go, how, no, how do you know where you've grown when you don't know where you've been? Mm. So journaling and, and from a life standpoint, feelings, thoughts. I mean, I remember the dark times in my life. Well, guess what? When I write those dark times in my life, and then I get better, I look back and I say, my gosh, how far I've grown, how I feel so better today. It makes me even feel even better. But then here's another point. There's always something worse happening in somebody else in the world, but there's always something that you can look back in your own life where it was worse for you. Mm-hmm. So when I have dark times, and it happens to me, I mean, grief with my late wife comes and flows, you know, ebbs and flows, it comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And... I look back at my journal and I realize, my gosh, I'm, I'm, I might be at a dark point right now, but it's such a better place than what I was, you know, a month later, sure. a month after she passed. So, uh, and that can be done in every area of life, business, spirituality, mm-hmm. uh, anything and everything. Mm-hmm. And, and it's inspiring, right? I mean, that helps you to continue to move forward and to maintain that momentum and to really excel. PRs, man. PRs, life PRs, athletic PRs, business PRs. Always try to do set personal yeah. records. That's, that's my philosophy now. It's just always do better. Being in the game. You know, yeah. having a game worthy of playing and just being in that game, man, and staying in that game. And yeah. it's so I love the journaling piece, really powerful. And thank you for really expanding upon that. You know, I call it the distinction between the monologue versus the dialogue. The you know, monologue is when we're in our own heads, you know, we're going around and around and around. So we're asking questions and we're, we're trying to come up with answers and we've got our dark places and our fears and man, we're just stuck in that place. And, and a lot of times, especially when it's dark, that could be a really scary place to be when you're alone in your own head. Yeah. Dialogue is the opportunity to be able to just get that shit out, right? Mm-hmm. Get it out onto paper and, and give yourself a sense of relief. Right? Yeah. And that's yeah. 
been for you as well? Well, exactly. And that's the whole point about getting out of your own damn way. I think one of the best uh, advice that I've ever had was one of my first uh, clients. He was also a mentor to me. He told me, and in those days, we're, we're talking 19, early 1990s when it was the cassette tape era because a lot oh, yeah. of people, I, I talk to my kids now, cassette tapes, they're like, what's cassette tapes, Dad? Isn't that funny? <laughs> you know, and it hasn't been that long. <laughs> I know. Prehistoric, right? I know. <laughs> and, and, and he used to tell me because he used to see me after I would have a, uh, a bunch of, of sales that did not go through and, and I was a little bit down on myself. And he will look at me and he says, Michel, and he said this to me in French, but I'll say it in English. I'm French, I'm Francophone, so that's why I say it and think. But he says, Michel, get out of your own damn head. Stop the recorder. Stop the tape player. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. it, stop rewinding the tape player. You're like, your, your mind is on a, on a constant loop. Get out of there. Yeah. And I think that journaling allowed me to do that, but it also allowed me to realize that uh, we are always our worst enemies. I mean, the people who stop you from your own success is yourself. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't think that there's nothing, there's no challenges, there's the things or events or even people that will get in your way more than you ever will, will do. Right. And oftentimes, you are, the, you're all, you are your own biggest barrier. Mm-hmm. The moment you get out of the way, life is yours to grasp. So how do you do that? How have you done that? When you're in your own way and you know you're in your own way and you're in that dark place, how do you get out of your own way? Well, I think that in my particular case, the journaling part is not just the key, but it allowed me to write down ideas that will enable me to get out of my own headspace, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and here's the thing is, I'm not, a, I'm not a very sociable person and I'm much less when I'm in that dark space. I really don't want to talk to anybody. I'm not in a good place. Mm-hmm. And I think that a lot of people will thrive on, on being able to talk with somebody. So if that's, if that's the case, that's perfectly fine. Uh, support is so, so important. You know, when I was going through my dark times after Sylvie passed, sometimes it's just having somebody just listen to me. You don't, don't give me advice. Don't tell me how you would do things better or how I should have done things. Just listen to me mm-hmm. and then just hug me after. Mm-hmm. Um, that meant so much. To, I mean, I have a couple of friends that are the, they mean the world to me. Um, but but at the same time, that might be a good for the for dealing with the darkness. But in getting out of it, the journal is probably what helped me the most because then I would write down a lot of ideas of what I want to do or how I could get out of it. And again, that's kind of hard sometimes when you're dealing with the darkness. When you're in the darkness, right? You need to write. Uh, uh, some kind of spark, but that spark might be hidden in, in so many things. So I think not just journaling it down and getting it like to, like you said, about a release, but also going back, re- rereading some of the stuff because then that might be a spark because then I, I, I remember I had some ideas that I wrote down. I didn't know. And then two or three weeks later, I'd go back and reread and say, you know what? That, that's a great idea. I could expand on it. And I would go into my journal and expand on that idea and I would create a new either business model, uh, a new process that, I can, that can help a client that makes me more money, make, increases my billable hours. So basically, the ability to just let it flow because the moment you start blocking stuff, a lot of people have a lot of ideas that they never put together and that's perfectly fine as long as you put them down. But how, you know, if, if, you, don't, if you don't put anything down, if you don't act on your ideas, 
you you won't you know no ideas you can have as many ideas as you can but it doesn't matter right so right exactly you know it brings up a great point and I, I know you're a highly creative guy you know clearly I mean the first guy in the industry to create a, a sales letter that did a million dollars and just so many other things beyond that how do you tap into your creativity and, and especially from a point of maybe where you're feeling a little blocked or you're feeling a little stuck and and you need to get into that creativity especially with what you do for a living what kind of steps or maybe what kind of tools or what kind of resources, what supports you to get into that creative state of mind so that you can get in the flow and you can really be able to produce at the highest level possible? I'll speak for me because I know that different people will have different ways of doing this. Being a, uh, a person with Asperger syndrome means that I tend to dive into topics head on <laughs> full speed. Yep. And, and it's kind of, it's very common for people uh, with, the, with this. And for me, it's learning. I'm a sponge. I love learning. So if, if I'm doing a lot, I do a lot of powerlifting, but when I do powerlifting, I don't listen, necessarily listen to music. Uh, sometimes I do when I'm trying to beat a PR. I want to, I want to listen to some rock music. Yeah, yeah. Metallica, right? <laughs> <laughs> but, but, yeah. <laughs> but when, I, when, I, when I'm doing just regular workout, here's what I do. And again, this is different for everybody, but I go, I have a, an audible account and I have uh, a credits every month and audible has recently, which is because I used to buy their stuff before they were, they were with audible, but now they are called the teaching company, the great courses by the teaching company. I think it's teachingcompany.com, but now they're part with audible. So you can actually buy entire years of universe for just a credit, which is like $14.95 a month. Mm -hmm. And those courses come sometimes go from $50, $70, $100 a course. I've learned so much. There's business stuff on there. There's leadership, but there's also psychology, human behavior, the psychology of buying. Um, there's, there's science stuff. And my favorite, which is history. I love history. I'm a history buff. Mm -hmm. And just learning a lot of stuff becomes fuel that out from, out from which will be that seed that one little thing that will enable you to, to grow your business or to implement in your business to make it even better. Mm. So, so to, to close, um, what I do is I try to absorb as much as I can. I love information. I listen to a lot of audio, audio lectures, university lectures, and uh, sometimes I will listen to something in a completely different industry or for some completely different topic that has nothing to do with my business, but it's something that I can use or I can modify to apply to my own business. And aha, there's that million dollar idea. So, yep. So being in the game, you know, learning from others. And for you, it's auto. And I'm the same way. I'm much more of an audio guy than a reader. I'll be out mowing my lawn, listening to cool podcasts and all of a sudden, bing. Exactly. Go and write it down real quickly. And that spurs your creativity. And then, man, all three days later, you've got this cool sales letter and this info product and it's selling and making money. And it's, so it's, it's crazy how things can come as quickly as they can come when you're open-minded, yeah. like you said, to be able to learn and to, to build that into a habit. Right. I mean, really to build that into your routine. I see for a lot of guys, it's critically important to start your day, you know, to have a certain mantra or a certain routine or a, really a ritual that you can sort of follow. And, you know, one of mine, it sounds like yours is probably very similar, but to spend 30 minutes a day listening to information and absorbing this information. And as ideas begin to pop up, write those things down, get those things down so that you can, you know, you, who knows where that's going to take you. But having that process and having that structure to allow you to be able to have of the time. Most guys just get so busy with their days that, man, they'd roll into it. All of a sudden the day takes over and then the week takes over, the month takes over and they're thinking, 
boy, I had all these great intentions about being creative with new ideas, but unless you put some sort of structure in place that I've found, and probably you as well, that's the critical key. So is, is that the same for you? Mm-hmm. And you know, a lot of people ask me, uh, is journaling good in itself? And journaling can be, there's a lot of fluff in journaling. You can write a lot of things down, but you won't know that one little thing that might be hidden in there that might be the, 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 the clue or the, the seed, right? Mm. If you look at Leonardo da Vinci, and he might be the creator or the inventor of so many things, but look at his sketchbooks. He's got sketchbooks upon sketchbooks upon sketchbooks of ideas that he never implemented. Mm. And it's just because he was putting ideas down. It doesn't necessarily mean that you will put everything into practice. A lot of people stop themselves from drilling because they have, they have, it has to be perfect. And I was there. Mm-hmm. I was, I, I journaled a, a lot at one point, but then I stopped because I thought, oh, I, everything I have to put down, it has to be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect. Mm-hmm. It's your own sketchbook. It's your own journal, right? Mm-hmm. So uh, talking about having a, a structure, I think it's, it's, it's critical that if you allow yourself to allow the flowing process to, to, to come from that, you'll be able to go back and then create a structure from that because you will have a lot of stuff to work from or to actually build on. And it could be it could be something as tiny as one little idea in in a thousand pages that will become your next million dollar idea. Right, and you never know. Thing, I guess a, a question to close on is in terms of creativity. And clearly, you're a highly creative guy. Do you feel like you're at your happiest place, your happiest state when you're being creative? Oh yeah, I think at uh, one when a lot of, when a lot of stuff goes on in my life, when I am in a dark place. I tend to, I have to keep myself busy, my mind busy, because if I don't, my mind will go somewhere else that I don't want it to go. Mm-hmm. And one way to keep it busy is A, either listen to a lot of audio podcasts, a lot of audio university lectures, audio books mm-hmm. on business. That keeps my mind busy so much that I don't have time to think about all the darkness and all that. But B, it allows me to, when I'm creative and I'm putting down ideas, I'm thinking about what I'm putting down. And I'm thinking about how that will lead to another thing that will lead to another thing that will lead to another thing. I mean, it's just like copywriting, right? Mm-hmm. You, 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 when you write copy or even when you write book or any kind of book, you start writing and it just let, you let it flow. You let it go from one point to another. Let it just flow. Don't have a goal in mind. Just let it flow and come out. Well, when I'm doing that, it, to me, it, just, it, it really helps me take away all the darkness and it puts that aside so that when I'm done, I'm like, oh, what was I thinking about before? <laughs> you know, it's, yeah, right. Yeah. It doesn't <laughs> quite seem as dark anymore. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and, and I, I highly recommend that the people listening to this podcast can start, you know, either, either journaling if you can, and, or at least listen to a lot of information, go, become a sponge. Right. And it doesn't have to be, I mean, you could read a lot on the internet. There's so much stuff on the internet. Um, but they're also, there's, being an audio guy, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I listen to a lot of audio books. Uh, or just immerse yourself in, in, in whatever field that you love to immerse yourself in. Because even though you might be, for example, and I'll finish with this, um, a mechanical engineer and you have a mechanical engineer firm, but you have a passion for... Um, organic fruits and vegetables. Well, guess what? You might listen to a podcast about, you know, fit lifestyle, organic fruits and vegetables. That might be the seed that will help you in either in your business or in your life that will improve your business because you've listened to that one thing that has nothing to do with, you know. Uh, Dan Kennedy often says whenever he launches a million dollar uh, uh, business product or, or model, I mean, uh, oftentimes he'll get ideas from completely, totally unrelated industries or things. And because oftentimes we keep doing the same thing because that's the way it's always been. That's the way it's always been done. Mm-hmm. When, when, you, when you, you allow yourself to absorb yourself into other topics or other industries, 
you'll find that million dollar idea that you can implement and change your life. I love it. I love it, man. And well, you're certainly walking your talk. And thank you. Thank you, brother. Thank you so much for your time and for your attention today. Again, I know how busy you are and how much you got going on. So for you to come and spend half an hour with us and to share your wisdom and to share your, your experience and to share your path. I mean, the dark as well as the light, it means the world to us. Hey, if guys want to connect with you and learn more about you and talk about the possibility of hiring you and working with you, where should they go? Where should they get information? They can go to workaholicsforhire.com or if it's simpler for people, michaelfortin.com. They'll go directly to that site. And uh, I'd, lo- you know, I'd love to hear from people. I, I, it doesn't have to be business related. Just give me a shout. Let, send me an email. I'd love to talk about uh, your life and especially for the people who are listening to your podcast. Uh, it'll be my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you, brother. So appreciate it. Thanks for listening to Epic Men Radio. Rattling the cage and reigniting the fire. Be sure to share Epic Men Radio with other men in your tribe. So no one will ever miss a single empowering episode. You can find us at epicmen.com. Epicmen.com.